Please pray with me. For the ears to hear your word, O oh Lord, we pray. For the hearts to know your love, O oh Lord, we pray. For your spirit to wake us up and make us yours, dear Lord, we pray. Work your way within us, among us, and through us by the saving power of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. So here is your question for today. How is your prayer life? Now that's not a question we hear very often, particularly in a Presbyterian church. Feels a little personal, doesn't it? <laughs> kind of embarrassing, vaguely inappropriate. Uh, we're uncomfortable talking about prayer generally as Presbyterians. We're not sure if we know how to do it. We're not sure if we're doing it often enough. We're not sure if we're doing it in the right position. See what I mean? Asking about your prayer life is a lot like asking, how's your sex life? None of your business, pastor, thank you very much. But you know, I'm here today to tell you that if you're feeling this way ever, you are not alone. In fact, Jesus' disciples were having problems with prayer. They too were uncertain about any of these things. We all have questions and challenges with prayer, if we're honest. But the disciples saw Jesus praying all the time, day and night, and so they finally screwed up their courage to ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. And so he did. Jesus taught them the simplest prayer, short to the point, in plain language. It is a prayer we can remember even when we cannot remember anything else. It is a prayer that puts to rest any of our wonderings about what to say, what you should pray, pray for, whether you should contemplate, meditate, or levitate. Here you go, Jesus says, pray like this, our Heavenly Father, holy is your name. And you know the rest. It is short, simple, very concise. Jesus also talked a lot about prayer. He told stories about prayer. He tells one about waking up your neighbor in the middle of the night to ask for some bread so that you can feed a guest that just showed up. And of course, the neighbor refuses to get up until you, uh, until you knock so long and so loud that finally he gets up and gives you the bread just to shut you up and he can get some sleep. And here, the focus for today is another story he tells, kind of like it from chapter 18 in the Gospel of Luke. Listen for God's word to you today. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. And in that city there was a widow who had kept coming to him and saying, grant me justice against my opponent. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, although I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this woman keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. Jesus said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will God not grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? 
I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Ah, there is the poignant question. When the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? With that question, I think that Jesus reveals that he understands our dilemmas. He knows our problems with prayer. He knows. He knows that after waiting millennia for God's reign to be fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven, that we will grow tired of praying. That is our deepest dilemma. We pray for healing, but the CT scan reveals more tumors. We pray for reconciliation, but brokenness persists. We pray for our children, but they keep finding ways to get into trouble. And we are worn out from praying for comfort and relief in the wake of yet another natural disaster, yet another senseless gun shooting. The news always seems to carry reports of war, even though we continually pray for peace. Yes, I believe we have problems with prayer. And despite Jesus' exhortation to the contrary, we do lose heart. We just lose heart. We lose confidence and trust and hope that our prayers are heard and will be answered. We lose heart. You may remember a story from a few years ago. It was a true story that was circulating about a CNN journalist who went to interview an elderly man, a Jewish man who'd been going to the Western Wall to pray every day, twice a day for a very, very long time. And she found him there one morning walking slowly to the holy site. She waited and watched while he prayed. And after about 45 minutes, he turned to leave, leaning heavily on his cane and moving very slowly and she approached him for an interview. She said, pardon me, sir, I'm Rebecca Smith from CNN. What's your name? And he said, Morris Feinberg. Sir, how long have you been coming to the Western Wall to pray? For about 65 years. 65 years, that's amazing. What do you pray for? I pray for peace between Jews, Christians, and Muslims. I pray for all the wars and the hatred to stop. I pray for our children to grow up safely as responsible adults who love their fellow human beings. I pray that politicians will tell us the truth and put the interests of the people ahead of their own. How do you feel after doing this for 65 years? Like I'm talking to the wall. Yeah, we get that sometimes, don't we? Prayer can feel like we're talking to the wall. Jesus knows something about the hard work of prayer, about the uncertainty of living in the in-between times caught between God's promise and its fulfillment. Jesus knows the temptation to grow impatient, to lose heart and hope. And so he tells these parables, I think, to teach us persistence, to encourage us no matter what, to pray continuously and to not lose heart. But they're strange little stories when you look at them closely. 
weird little parables of prayer, vivid pictures of ungracious neighbors and pestering friends, of unjust judges and nagging widows. These parables are not images of saintly patience and beatific meditation. Not at all. And don't you wonder, you have to wonder, if the one who prays is like the inconsiderate guy pounding on his neighbor's door in the middle of the night for a loaf of bread, then is God like the guy who pulls the duvet up around his ears and shouts at his neighbor to go away? And if the one who prays is like the defenseless widow who continues to plead her case no matter how many times it gets denied, then is God like the judge, utterly without conscience, who finally grants the widow's cause only because he's tired of her? I don't know. That doesn't seem right, does it? Of course, by now we should not be surprised to discover that in parables, Jesus always invites us to look a little closer, dig a little deeper, ask more questions. And certainly, I believe we do get a new perspective on prayer with these parables. We begin to realize that maybe God is not some magical giant gumball machine dispensing all of our wishes and wants, put in a prayer and out pops the desires of your heart. We know that, of course we do. But we still give God credit for that prime parking space by the door in front of the mall, or the million dollar jackpot lottery we just won, or the Super Bowl victory for our team. Although notice that it's only the champions who recognize that. The losing team has very little to say on the subject. No, the parables about prayer do not teach that God is standing by like a magnanimous sugar daddy handing out everything we ever ask for. Mm -mm. With these parables, Jesus does not resolve the mystery of answered or unanswered prayer. Instead, he focuses on the friend who all night long pounds relentlessly on the neighbor's door and the widow who all day shouts and nags at the judge for justice. Certainly, I believe the parables do encourage us to persist in prayer, to knock, to plead, to nag. <laughs> the widow in ancient Jewish society was one without family. She had no means to support herself, no voice in society, no clout. She had nobody to pull strings for her to make sure her case got put on the docket. All she could do was go back time after time again to the judge. She was there at the front of the line when the doors opened at the courtroom every day. And when her case wasn't heard, she waited for the judge by the gate. She ran after him down the street. She lay in wait, I imagine, behind the pile of cabbages in the marketplace so that when she found him, she could plead once more for justice. She nags and nags and nags and nags, not because she is hopeless, but because she is full of hope. She is full of hope that the future can be different, hope that the world can change. And so she hounds the judge and won't let him rest until he grants her justice. 
Pray like this, Jesus says, recognizing that your prayers are not just a list of so many unanswered pleas. Recognize that prayer is not for the hyper-religious or for personal therapy or a crutch for the weak. No, prayer is knocking at the door of injustice until your knuckles bleed. Prayer is about refusing to believe that the way things are are the way they have to be. Prayer is the core activity by which we stay in faith, by which we hope for the world, by which we keep justice before God and before ourselves. To pray always is the means by which we keep our heart in God. It is the means by which we keep faith on earth. Long, long before Jesus, the prophet Jeremiah said it this way, I know the plans I have for you, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. Then when you call upon me and come and pray to me, I will hear you. When you search for me, you will find me. When you seek me with all of your heart, you will find me if you seek me with all of your heart. Pray like that. But you know, I think there is another way for us to hear these stories about prayer. If we are to be the persistent ones, the ones pleading for bread, for justice, for change, I still resist seeing God as the hard-hearted judge who refuses to grant justice, or the irritated neighbor who won't get out of bed to give out some bread. It dawns on me that maybe there is yet another way to read this parable. Could it be that it is indeed about persistence? It is indeed about demanding justice. It is indeed about hope. It is indeed about knock, 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 knocking at the door until it is opened. But could it be that the persistent one is God? Could it be that we are the ones who roll over in bed and pull the covers up over our ears? Could it be that we are the unjust judge who flees from the one who pleads for justice? The Bible says that God pursues us, runs after us, never gives up on us, even when we act as though we neither fear God nor respect people. Isn't God that unrelenting widow, ever persistent, constantly present, whispering in our hearts, nagging us to choose God's way? Isn't Jesus the one who says, behold, I stand at the door and knock? And if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. And the good news, the good news for us is that the neighbor finally does roll out of bed and share his bread. The judge does eventually listen and grant the widow the justice she craves. So maybe there is hope for us. Maybe there is hope that we will allow the Holy Spirit to catch us, to break through our resistance, to press open our doors and engage us in God's kingdom come. God's will done on earth as it is in heaven. Maybe this is all about God's hope for us. And maybe that is what prayer is all about after all. Not so much bringing our longings to God as it is listening to God's longings for us, for the world, 
And maybe prayer is about opening ourselves to the whisper of the Holy Spirit, listening for Jesus to knock on the door of our hearts. And I'm not sure, I really wonder, what would happen if we prayed like that?